Trust everybody can hear me fine. Uh, as Gary mentioned, uh, we are starting our lecture series and we, for our visitors, and we do have a number of visitors tonight even. Uh, we do normally do a lecture series. It's usually the spring quarter, April, May, and June. It's themed. Uh, and in general, we, we prevail upon the men of the congregation to present one of the lectures. So tonight, we're doing a lecture. Uh, of course, we understand that with what happened last year in 2020, a lot of things changed. A lot of things got pushed off. We're now resuming that. Our theme is one another. I think we all probably all understand what one is, but another. It's a being of one or more in addition to the one or more usually of the same kind. It's distinct. You can think of a piece of pie. Each piece of pie is different. You can eat one piece and you've still got another pie that looks just like it. Uh, but they're all individuals and they all share some common characteristics. So we get, when we talk about one another, then we kind of get that sense that that unity involved, that, that feeling of uh, part of a whole. So said we're doing uh, the lecture series this, this year's on theme, one another, and uh, of course, two word phrase doesn't convey a whole lot, but uh, if you look on, the, on the, the screen behind me, the PowerPoint, these are some of the topics we'll be covering this uh, quarter. If you bite and devour one another, that's the one we'll be covering tonight. Serve one another. Be of the same mind toward one another. Speak to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Bear one another's burdens. Do not speak against another. Consider how to stimulate one another. Comfort and encourage one another. Admonish one another. Build up one another. Live in peace with one another. Let us not judge one another and seek what is good for one another. I hope you find that those uh, topics list uh, uh, pull on you a little bit and you make you want to come back and uh, listen to the rest of the of the lessons. We've talked about July the 4th today and, and several t references have been made so I'm going to make one more. The Latin phrase behind me, e pluribus unum. That used to be the national motto. In 1956 that was replaced with God we trust. Uh, but it means out of many, one. And I just had to, to, to kind of pull that uh, in because that's really what we're talking about. Out of many, one. Many individuals, one body. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, through many, though many, are one body, so as it is with Christ. For in one spirit we are all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. And in Galatians 3.28, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ. Bob preached a lesson back in April uh, of this year, April 18th, 2021 as a matter of fact. 
and he made, uh, he talked a little bit about this sub very subject. You know, and one of the things he talked about was, wonder what the church was like in the beginning. Because you had all these uh, various individuals represented, men and women, young and old, master and slave. You had some that were Jews and some that were Gentiles. Of the Gentiles, you might have had some Hellenistic, uh, excuse me, of the Jews, you might have had some Hellenistic Jews or some more of the traditional uh, type of Jewish uh, Christians. Uh, from the Gentiles, you might have had someone that was uh, in his, prior to becoming a Christian, might have been a pretty good person morally anyway, but you also have, might have had somebody that made a, a complete conversion from a very reprobate life into this. So all these things, how do we all manage to work together? Uh, you know, actually, it's not all that different from today. We don't have you know, masters and slaves in our audience, but I can't say that's not true the world over. We do have possibly a situation where you might have uh, somebody that works for somebody else in the same congregation, and you might have that person that is uh, uh, the inferior, if you will, the, the one who works for somebody else, might be teaching a class or a lesson to his boss. Not exactly the same, but very close in analogy. But we all that. Out of that, all these things, we're still expected to be one body. Well, that's not the situation that happened in every case. Paul is writing to the church at Galatia, and he makes this statement in Galatians 5.15. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. This is also known as the sin of spiritual cannibalism. The comparison is to vicious animals biting and devouring one another until they kill each other. The word translated bite literally means to bite with the teeth and metaphorically means to wound the soul, cut, lacerate, rend with reproaches. The word translated devour literally means to eat up, consume, devour, swallow. It is not used here with bite to refer to spiteful party strife with the meaning of something like tear to the pieces. The word translated means consume, means to consume up or use up or to destroy. Actually, when I was putting this together, went out and looked for images of a couple of wolves fighting at each other. And you've seen, don't have, may not have seen wolves in a while, you've seen dogs fighting each other. Uh, I quickly back off to that one. <laughs> uh, it's pretty scary. If you look at teeth barred and, and fangs barred, uh, and you see the, the sheer ferocity on the faces of these animals, that's what Paul's literally comparing the Christians at Galatia to. Pretty, uh, pretty, uh, pretty vivid description. It's probably uh, more so uh, made uh, evident to us by that fact. You know, to, in Galatia to say that they were not getting along is an understatement. You know, the, the other thing, of course, is that this warning was to Christians, to all brethren. And the, Paul, the, the condition Paul was warning the Galatians about was not directed to those outside of the church, but to members one another. It's a stern and blunt warning to brethren. 
And it's even more pointed if you consider that the preceding verse, Galatians 5.14 says, for all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Consider how this violent, angry, and contentious, deadly behavior is laid over against the admonition to love one another. But the word but, Paul starts out with but. But if you divide and devour. That kind of indicates that Paul assumes or knows that that biting and devouring is actually already occurring or presently occurring in the church at Galatia or in churches in the area of Galatia. When I uh, accepted this topic back over a year ago, I've had the opportunity to go through this uh, lesson a number of times and it's been rewritten a number of times because of the intervening time. So much has changed uh, within uh, our families, ourselves, this nation. I started out with E Pluribus Unum. I was born in 1952, which means I was born during the Korean War. And that was followed by the Cold War, which was followed by the, the 60s when, when everything was up for grabs as to what you were going to do. You know, as far as morality, as far as the Vietnam was going on, we had a president that was assassinated. Uh, things kept building, 1970s, 1980, the, the fall of the Berlin Wall. Um, I guess in all of that, there's always that sense based on, maybe falsely, of solidity of this one body. But last year, in 2020, and the years prior to that, this nation became so divided. Division was so evident, it's kind of like you begin to wonder. I begin to wonder, were we coming to part of the seams? Were we doing what's being described here, biting the power? Let me say this, 2020, with the COVID, it exposed a lot of things caused us to do a lot of things differently. And I know that uh, there were some churches that had problems with the situation of vaccination, mask, meeting, not meeting. Uh, fortunately, I feel like we were able to navigate that well. And I would not want to be in a body or be an elder of a body that was undergoing the kind of turmoil, the kind of self-destruction that Paul is talking about here. I haven't actually seen it in the church, but if you've been in a family, if you have never been in any family, unless you're very lucky, you've seen some of this. And I've seen it firsthand, and it's not pretty. I don't want to see it here. And so we can consider this a lesson as a warning, if you will, as Paul was making the warning to these churches here. Let's, not, let's learn not to bite and devour. If we take a look at the larger context, and I'll, I'm going to start back at chapter, uh, chapter 5, verse 1. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. And I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised 
that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. You have become estranged from Christ, and you who attempt to be justified by the law, you have fallen from grace. For we through the Spirit eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything, but faith working through love. You ran well, who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion does not come from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in you, in the Lord, that you will have no, mind, no other mind, but he who troubles you shall bear his judgment, whoever he is. And I, brethren, if I still preach circumcision, why do I still suffer persecution? Then the offense of the cross has ceased. I could wish that those who trouble you would even cut themselves off. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for flesh, but through love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by another. I want you to understand something. The situation at Galatia wasn't oscillated. If you look at all the epistles that Paul wrote, in general, every one of them was addressing some problem at some church. Dissent and accord were not just locate, localized to the churches in Galatia. We look at Acts chapter 6, verse 1. Very first thing straight out of the gate. Now, in those days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists rose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. Acts 15, verse 2. And after Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and debate with them, Paul and Barnabas and some of the others were appointed to go to Jerusalem to the apostles and elders about this question. 1 Corinthians 1, 11. And I'm going to pull in a, the verse before that, 10 as well. Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but you be perfectly joined to what together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is some quarreling, other versions may say contentions, among you, my brethren, brothers. 1 Corinthians eleven eighteen. For in the first place, when you come together to church, I hear there are divisions among you, and I believe it in part. 2 Corinthians 12, 20. For I fear that perhaps when I come, I may find you not as I wish, and that you may find me not as you wish. There perhaps there may be quarreling, jealousy, anger, hostility, slander, gossip, conceit, disorder. James 4.11, do not speak evil against one another, brothers. And James 5.9, do not grumble against one another, brothers. So what was the issue here with, with Galatia, the churches, the, the, the churches in Galatia? We're probably very familiar with the, the primary issue of things that were going on there. We understand that this because, was, came about because false brethren were secretly brought in. They came in by stealth, the Bible says, the Scripture says, to spy out their liberty, which they had in Jesus Christ Jesus, that they may bring us into bondage. 
Members of the churches in Galatia, Galatia or Galati were plagued by what today we call the Judaizing teachers. False teachers who were subverting the liberty found in Christ by teaching that Gentile Christians needed to follow the old covenant's requirements, especially the, the covenant of circumcision. In essence, teaching that the baptism of Christ wasn't sufficient for salvation. And you can understand the division this caused between the Jewish and Gentile Christians. It, many of the Jews were carried away by this. Barnabas and Peter were, were named. Paul withstood Peter to his face. That had to be an action that occurred that left lingering scars. What was one sense, one, one body, one unity between Jews and Gentiles, and all of a sudden the Jews pulled back? How did the Gentiles feel about that? How did the Jews broach this to them? We can, we can understand where this is coming from. Angry words had to have been exchanged. Feelings were hurt. Divisions occurred. Where was, there was unity was now sectarianism. It appears also in reading this, though, that that, that was not the only issue. Verse 13 says, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for a flesh, but through love serve, serve one another. We can think back to what occurred in some of the other books that Paul wrote in Corinthians and, and Romans. A number of things occurred between brothers who understood eating idols to food that was given to idols wasn't a sin because idols weren't real anyway. But to somebody that was a Gentile who had come out of that, that was a hurdle to come overcome. Obviously, there's a number of things here that were going on. And you can, you can see how I'm going, to, I'm going to do this because I know it's not real. And I don't care what you think. That's, uh, that's pretty harsh, isn't it? Pretty harsh. You know, all relationships are difficult from time to time. Even within the church, sometimes there are disagreements, strong disagreements. And that happens. Disagreements are one thing. Even some arguments from time to time. But when, the, when we let the disagreements define us, define how our relationships are with one another, define how we react to that person in all circumstances, both within the body and with outside the body. You know, we're putting ourselves in serious jeopardy. That's what the folks at Galatia had done. Jesus said, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself will not stand. This kind of thing will tear a church apart, and it will destroy souls. There is no getting around that. Deep abiding anger that offers no reconciliation. Believe it or not, it's pretty easy to happen 
We won't, wouldn't like to think so, but it is. As I said earlier, I've seen this within my own family firsthand. And what occurred, it's like, what happened? How did that happen? And all of a sudden, people were not talking to each, each other. And, and it had gone beyond what the original uh, cause of dissent was. People were digging their heels in. They no longer, I don't, you know, uh, necessarily feel that they were, they had lost the original argument. It was just, no. And you couldn't reconcile them. And you think about a family and how badly that hurts. And you know, the bad thing is that we can do that all to us all by ourselves. We don't really need any help from outside. Although there are people from outside willing to step in and, and, and help you there. Uh, Jude 119 says, there are sinful, sensual persons who cause divisions, not having a spirit. I want you everybody to remember here, what does God hate? He hates dissent. He wants unity in the body. And he hates those that spread discord among his people. Proverbs 6, 14. You know, I want you to understand, I don't want to, to, to get us off on the round track, but understand that from time to time, there is a need to stand up and say, this is wrong. We have a duty to defend the truth and we understand that unity for unity's sake is just compromise. And what it said, that said, however, the way we react to disagreements, especially doctrinal issues, differing of understanding, and even false teaching will define not only how the body survives or doesn't survive, but our own eternal destination. How we react, okay? Which makes how we react to these things. Any reaction, any response not rooted from love of God and love for the person involved or persons involved will likely do just as much damage as the Arab ever would have. Let's get to the heart of the matter. What causes this? All right. The Bible tells us. 1 Corinthians 3 3 says, For you are still in the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? Galatians 5 9. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Should be 19, excuse me. 5 19 through 20. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality impurities, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissension, divisions, envy, and drunkenness, orgies, things, and the like, the, anything like, things like these. You see the underlying stuff there, okay? These are interpersonal things. Very damaging activities. James 3, 13 through 16 says, Who is wise and understanding among you? But his, by his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have any bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not wisdom that comes down from above, but it's earthly, 
unspiritual and demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. We kind of look through those verses there and where it talks about fruits of the Spirit uh, and other verses that we find in the epistles and other, uh, both Paul, Peter, and James. Things that promote discord and, their, and strife, they're of the flesh. Enmity, the state of, of, of or feeling of being actively opposed or hostile to someone or something. Strife, angry or bitter disagreement over fundamental issues. Jealousy and envy, very closely related. The desire to deprive one another of something they possess or enjoy. Ambition, an excess of an ambition especially, is to the detriment of others or to ideals. Now amb ambition is somewhat necessary. Without ambition I wouldn't get up in the morning. I just lay in bed. But when it takes on a life of its own and you're desiring ambitions for ambition's sake, for the desire to be ahead of somebody else, to be superior to somebody else, you got problems. Fits of anger. Uncontrolled anger. Being contentious. A state of being. Rivalries. Unhealthy competition for something or for superiority. Arty. Dissensions. Insurrection and uproar. Divisions or discord. Breaking up of family ties. Backbiting. Malicious talk about someone who is not present. Gossip. Sorry, I mentioned skip bitterness. Hebrews tells us about bitterness, not, not to let the, the root of business, bitterness dwell in any one of you. Respect a person. Sometimes we can respect a person to the exclusion of other people and create a division. And closely tied to that is disrespect to persons. When we disrespect a person because of some criteria, we judge a person unworthy because of gender, age, race, economics, status. All these things are things that people, okay, when we're in the flesh, pay attention to. Judging, assuming a role or position that is not yours, but God's. Also rushing to judgment falls in that category as well. These are works of the flesh. These are the things that call the biting and devouring and the uh, destruction of a church. Put this in here. This, this is a, off the top of my head. And I, this is not, not all inclusive for sure. Not really sure if it's even a good list. But it's things I thought of. Have you ever been guilty of talking to someone when you feel they need correcting? You don't talk to them other times, but Hey, whenever I think you need correcting, I'm going to, haven't talked to you before, but I'm going to talk to you now. I'm looking at Kevin. <laughs> Inside joke. This is, a, this is material he's used before as well. Have you ever entered into a discussion with the sole intent of proving someone wrong? That's your only goal. I'm going to prove you wrong. Have you ever found yourself not listening? because you're already mentally formulating your response. Parents have problems with this sometimes. <laughs> have you ever been guilty of judging someone's actions without gathering all the facts? Is your first assumption always negative? 
Have you ever been jealous of someone's ability or capability and wanted to bring them down? Do you only invite people of a certain characteristics and fill in the blank here to associate with? That's hardly one body. Does that determine how you care about them? Do you expect to be served or do you expect to serve? What's your goal? Like I said, this is not an inclusive list. It's just, hey, think about that. Some of the things here, some of the topics here. And if you've got a problem with any of them, maybe we need to think about it. I, you know, I looked at that list and said, hmm, I've hit most of these things in my life at some point or another. Oh, bad, sad to say. But I have. I'm human. But that's not the point. I have to be beyond that now. It's interesting. I've looked at some of the material. By the way, there's a pamphlet out there. The Sin of Spiritual Cannibalism. Uh, Robert H. Farish. Uh, I may have had some of those on the tracks at one, one time or another, but you can pick that up and read it if you would like. I also looking at The Guardian of the Truth, and there was an, uh, an article that back from 1998 that I remembered. Went back and pulled it out, and I pulled out some, some sections from it because of the application to the lesson tonight. I can remember as a young preacher thinking that I was going to have to wade through some issues which brethren were, dis were, which brethren were disagreed that I just didn't think I wanted to preach. However, I think I read that wrong. I can remember as a young preacher thinking I was going to have to wade through some issue on which brother, brethren disagreed to the point I didn't want to think I wanted to preach. Here was somebody discouraged from the thought of preaching because of possible dissension and disagreements that existed. However, I learned from the Bible that God's people have always faced issues. And I put some ellipses out there beside it because I can go through the whole Bible there and we can at least be here for the rest of the month. Skipping down, the young preacher came to realize that there is no central agency or earthly headquarters charged with determining some kind of creedal body of truth to which all must pay allegiance. Each person is responsible before God for his own study of inspired truth. Skipping further. And so while the young preacher in the Guardian of Truth article and others like him could wish, as I did and still do, that brethren would just sit down face to face, heart to heart, and with open bodies and Bibles and open hearts, through open, honest, meaningful, and forthright discussion, arrive at a common understanding. I know that's not likely, so he's gotten kind of jaded here. People can sometimes be difficult. This is of Quarreling Brethren. It's Norman E. Fultz, Guardian of Truth, July 1998. So how do we get beyond that? All right? Everything requires effort. All relationships require effort. And this is, this is a relationship. We are in a relationship. You are my brothers and sisters in Christ. When the disciples came to Christ and said, your mother's outside, your brother's outside, wait. And he said, who are my mothers and my brothers? These are my mothers and my brothers. That's what you are. We are a family. We have a relationship. But looking back at that article, there are a couple of key phrases I picked out. Open Bibles and open hearts. Along with being open 
honest, honest, meaningful, and forthright discussion. What I got from that is a love of truth, intellectual honesty over emotional hangups, respect and love for the other party, open minds, open hearts, respect. That sounds like a pretty good starting point. Start with self. Matthew 7, 15, 7, 5, excuse me. Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote of thy brother's eye. Get yourself straight first before you go talk to somebody. If you got something out hanging out there, you just opened yourself up to all kind of uh, accusations. And rightly so. Rightly so. Also consider the value of the other person. Romans 14, 15, yet if your brother is grieved because of your food, you are no longer walking in love. Do not destroy with food the one for whom Christ died. 1 Corinthians 8, 11, and because of your knowledge shall the weak brother perish for whom Christ died. We were all bought with a terrible price. We were bought with the blood of the Son of God. He gave us life and sacrifice. We partake of the Lord's Supper every Sunday, remembering that sacrifice. We have to hold on to that all week long and within all our relationships. It's all about attitude, folks. James 3, 17 through 18, but the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. I'm going to say that again. The fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. We got to be making peace. Galatians 5, 22 through 23, the fruit of the Spirit. This is a good place to start. Fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and against such there is no law. Galatians 5, 13, but through love serve one another. Ephesians 4 and 1 through 6, and I mentioned this earlier. Bob preached a lesson April 18th, 2021, based on Ephesians 4, 1 through 6. I will not preach that lesson again tonight. It's five till. But this is where you go. This is where you go to learn what to do. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling in which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all, through all, and in you all. Through all and in you all. John chapter 17, verse 20. I do not pray for those alone, but for all those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one, 
as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you gave me I have given them, that they may be one just as we are. Folks, if we're not one, we're not part of Christ. We're not part of the future. We're not part of salvation. We have no part in heaven. We have to be one. Let me say this, and this, I'll, I'll end the lesson on this, this uh, point. Uh, last Sunday morning, Bob taught a lesson. It was on honoring your parents. I don't know if you caught it. I taught, caught it and made note of it. I actually wrote it down uh, at, towards the end of the lesson. And this was Bob's opinion. And he said so. He said, this is his words. It may be that more people are lost because of the way they behave in their family than any other reason. You are my family. You are each other's family. And how we behave with each other, that determines our eternal end. Let's think about that. And this, I hope everybody understands. This is a lesson to everyone here. To people that are old, you get to my age, we're old codgers. You know, we can be kind of gruff at times, kind of stern. Younger families, young men, uh, got tons of things going on to occupy their time. Too much to do. Maybe they don't take the right amount of time for the right things. Young people. And we have a lot, of, a lot of our young people this afternoon in camp. We still have some here. Young people who have named the name of Christ. They are our brothers and sisters. Just as we are their brothers and sisters. And we have a duty and obligation to them to give the right example of what it means to be brothers and sisters. And I hope as parents that we are doing that, by the way, because who do they see the most? They see us in all of our glory, or is it all of our habits? You know, they are dealing with a lot of things going on at their age. You know, you think about that. We got some 13 and 14 year olds that are just named the name of Christ. And the thing is, and, and Chris Emerson preached about this, they name the name of Christ, that means they're responsible. Okay? That means they're responsible to that calling, just as we are. But they got, you know, well, they got image issues. <laughs> they got peer pressure. Uh, they don't know how to deal with relationships. They don't have life experiences on how to deal with relationships. It's for us older folks to help them along, and I hope we are doing that, especially our parents here, that we're doing that. Okay, that is my lecture. It's now six o'clock. Uh, I hope you got something from it. This morning we sung a song about when you were angry, did you think to pray? When someone crossed your way, did you think to pray? That's another good place to start. Before you do anything, stop and pray. You know, 
The things I've talked about tonight doesn't sound like something y'all want to invite you into, does it? <laughs> you know, all this, this sounds kind of negative. But let me tell you something. It's a whole lot better place out here than out in the world. You'd rather be here because at least people care. They care about you. They care about each other. They care about pleasing God. And that's a good thing. I think if you want to think about it, being part of that family, being part of this family, being a part of Christ's family is vitally important. And we're fixed to sing a song of invitation. And I'd like for you to consider that if you haven't named the name of Christ, if you haven't asked for repentance for your sins and confessed his name in Christ, be baptized for the remission of sins, you're not in the family. You're lost. There's no better opportunity than right now. And for those who have let the flesh creep in, who have let things get to us and do, let us do things that we shouldn't be doing, this is also a good time to, to ask for our prayers, to ask for repentance. So as you're considering these things, we're going to be led in a, a song, and we certainly hope then do encourage for you to respond.